This is the Faith Debate, a theological roundtable gab fest, a free-for-all forum with faith community leaders wrestling over the truth. In less than one half hour, learn more about what really matters than what most others learn in a week. The Faith Debate is on the World Wide Web at WFMD.com, keyword faith. Are you ready for the clash of ideas? Are you ready for the sound of freedom? Let's get ready to rumble in this corner, weighing in with a master of divinity from Reformed Theological Seminary, the faith debate master of ceremonies, (laughs) Troy Skinner. What happens to us when we die? Do we exist eternally in either heaven or hell? Or does life, even spiritual life, cease when our fleshly bodies pass away in death? And how does the Christian understanding of bodily resurrection fit into all of this? Here to help us think through these sorts of things are Jonathan Schweitzer, co-founder of the Faith Debate Program, and Morgan Kokenauer, pastor at Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church. This week, uh, we're going to be talking about death. When is it? What is it? How does this shape our understanding of the state of the dead in the hereafter? These are big, important questions on, uh, I think today, if I'm not mistaken, check my calendar, is Palm Sunday. Yeah. So... So uh, that means that... We're thinking about these sorts of things. We've got Jesus the, is entering Jerusalem. Yep. Yeah, uh, beginning his march towards death. That's right. So uh, now we kind of had a cliffhanger episode last week, which happens uh, some, from time to time on the Faith Debate Show. And uh, if you missed that and you're interested to hear this thing in a continuum, you can catch the podcast. Go to WFMD.com. Keyword faith takes you right to the uh, Faith Debate page. Or you can find the little menu, uh, drop-down menu of the shows that are on the station and click on Faith Debate as though there are other shows on the station. But there are. <laughs> so uh, we were talking about whether or not there's eternal uh, – the, the human soul is eternal or not. That was the thrust of last week's show. Yeah. Um, Morgan, representing kind of the traditional Seventh-day Adventist uh, position, was saying, no, uh, there's not. And he was explaining his reasons why. You have to listen to last week's show for that. Jonathan was saying, yeah, yeah my, my, I'm not sure I know the answer to that. But he seemed to be uh, not comfortable fully with, uh, with Morgan's uh, take on it. So he's not ambivalent. He's just confused. Welcome to my world. <laughs> my and, wife and kids are listening yeah, yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. And then we started to shift because you naturally would is, okay, well, if it's not immortal, that means it, it dies at some point. So what does death mean? That's where we got last week. And That's why the it, cliffhanger. Yeah, and if there is such a thing as a death of the soul, like when would that happen or what would it mean? And, if, and the Bible talks about death, right? Eat of the yeah. tree, you will die. Um, so in what way is that true if the soul doesn't die and exists for uh, each, uh, time immemorial. So, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I cut Jonathan off last <laughs> week. Do you remember what your thought was? Yeah, and don't you forget it. <laughs> um, I don't remember exactly what I was saying. We're grappling with the definition of death, and we're recognizing, I think, I think we're in agreement, but at least that there's two definitions of death that the Bible for sure recognizes mm-hmm. one that there is is some sort of spiritual death that is no longer death or that that we're we're changed from we're resurrected from when right. we when we become a believer. we're talking when about we in the garden Christ, of eden that the two trees to if you eat of the tree of, of right. knowledge of good and evil you yeah. know you will surely die and then you are explaining the your point of view on that at least where you think you are on that right now in your state of confusion that's right is that uh 
I don't know, um, to be fair, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I'm not sure that you were saying it's your position. I think you were saying that you have understood the classical, general classical evangelical. evangelical position to be that it's a spiritual death, not a soul death. Yeah. And you're kind of parsing that. That's, That's kind of correct. where you were. Did you have anything more you wanted to add on that front? or Because I think Morgan probably wants to respond. Yeah. Let's, let's, well, I, yeah, I have no problem with that. I think... Um, uh, for me, we're, we're grappling with what the definition of death is. I feel like we're trying to define, define other definitions, I guess, that's happened in politics before. But when you look at death, for me, you have to understand what's life. Yeah. And so when, like, going back, once again, to the original construction of Adam and Eve, all it is is, is dust and breath. Those are the two ingredients to life. Okay. So then, uh, I think I'm finishing, okay with that. Finishing my thought on yeah. that is, so if biologically, I'm okay with that. Biologically, so but we've also agreed that there is no consciousness before, uh, whenever we believe life begins or when consciousness begins or or a soul begins. I should say what we were talking about earlier is there was no soul for there was no Adam's soul before the dust and the breath came together. Agreed. I would agree with that. Okay. So then, when God created yeah. Adam and Eve, okay. He said. Here's dust, and then he breathes into him breath, Mm -hmm. which can be translated as spirit as well. So he breathes breath into his nostrils, and then he becomes soul. So then this dust and breath combined together make soul, much like a light bulb. You have a light bulb without electricity is not a light bulb. It's a bulb. Connected to electricity, it's light. You take the bulb away, you have electricity. It's only when these two are combined that you actually have Life so that raises a question in the yes. context of, of some of those definitions that I was just saying. So, so that definition, mm-hmm. dust and breath mm-hmm. equals life in mm-hmm. a soul, right? Then, then what, what does it mean that we were dead in our sins? Perfect. So that's where when we talk about spiritual sin, yeah, I agree. I agree that if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ, in my, in, in, in my understanding of the Bible, we're all dead men walking until we accept Jesus. The dead men walking still yeah. have dust and, and the breath. breath of God. And breath. Right? But when I say, but when God but they're says... they're still spiritually dead. But they're still spiritually dead. But when God says, in the day you eat of this fruit, you will surely die. Yeah. He's saying, before, they were good. I right. mean, once they, they were ate alive. The, they were, well, they were alive, but everything about them, God said, I've created you good. So as Seventh-day Adventists, we believe there was no spot or blemish in Adam and Eve. So there was no thought in them that said, you know what? I think I'm going to go flip these people off. I think I'm going to go run them off the road. There was nothing in them that desired anything that was sinful. Yeah, I think I tend to use the word innocent as opposed to righteous. I feel like innocent. righteousness is something that, that, that comes later when you're facing wickedness and you choose well, Okay, I'll say right. this. They were created righteous. So, so I'm, I'm not willing so to good. say that because the word righteous shows up with Noah who is doing what's right despite wicked people around him. And, and I get the sense that righteousness is a term that sets off against wickedness, whereas good is a, is a word that defines something previous. So but that's just something also my means own. just and justified. So they're just. They're, they're at peace with God. Just and so, it's Adam, so before the sin, before Adam ate the fruit, was he at peace with God? Well, okay, so... There so, was no, there was right, no need so, for reconciliation. So I, I, would answer, I would answer yes to that, but I would also say that Jesus was made perfect, meaning he was, he was made by his suffering, by, by what he went through. And my, my point is that, is that we don't know that, there was, that, that they would be justified by faith until they've been tried. And if they, we don't know that until they've been tried. And when they, got, when they were tried, they yeah. fell. And so I would argue that, that, that over attempting to say that they were just 
by faith previous to that, uh, we didn't know yet. Well, in fact, that's why Christ was crucified from before the creation of the world, because God knew that they wouldn't be, mm-hmm. and that there was going to have to be a process where Christ himself would demonstrate what... Now, trying to borrow from all these terms we're throwing out and tie them to the Speaking topic at hand. Terms, please, please. You know, uh, yeah, I don't think you guys used any real big $12 uh, <laughs> words just yet, but if we're going to be talking about, you know, what does it mean to be justified? What is righteousness? That's a little bit different than, than death. But let me, but again, let me frame it this way and pull it all together. Is someone who's unrighteous dead? Because those who are outside of Christ, right? They don't, they, it's not accounted to them as righteous. So those are, as a Christian, you would say that those outside of Christ are, are, are unrighteous before God. Yeah. They stand condemned before God. Yeah. So are they dead or alive? That's kind of swinging us back to kind of the question Jonathan was asking before. What is the state They're dead in their transgressions and sins. I think we're I, in agreement. I agree with that 100%. Yeah. Now, the, the issue for me, though, when you go back to Genesis, is that when God comes down, yeah. Adam and Eve's entire makeup is different. Everything about them is the whole reason Adam eats the fruit is because he listened to his wife. He doesn't want to lose his wife. Yeah. And so now he's looking at Eve and says, you know what? She made me do it. He yeah. is not there to defend his wife. So his whole entire view of his. Yeah, totally. I'm, I'm with you. Yep. Totally Everything changed. changes. So then what God does is he says, listen, Eve, why'd you do it? Well, I got deceived. Okay, serpent, you're crawling on your belly the rest of your life. Right. So even today, snakes are a living symbol or right. a, a parable of what happened in the, in the Garden of Eden. Yep. But then he says, I'm, gonna, I'm going to put enmity between you and the serpent. Right. So now right. he has to, he, just like he in, divinely intervened with dust to create life, he divinely intervenes to, put, be, to give us choice again. So I'm going to give you enmity between you and the devil. So in sin, the reason this all ties together is this, mm-hmm. is that God gives each one of us opportunity to choose Jesus Christ. He is a very long-suffering God. So for me, I look at death, and there's a spiritual death, I agree, that unless you accept Jesus, right. we're all dead men walking. But yeah. then the wages of sin being death will be an undoing of God's, when God breathed into our nostrils, Ecclesiastes said, Solomon says, you know, I've seen it all. I have seen it all. And you know what our fate is? It's the same as an animal. My breath goes back to God, and my body returns to dust. And that's the same as an animal. So why am I doing all of this stuff if, that, if I have the same result? Mm-hmm. So, why, so Seventh-day Adventists believe that death, when God says, in the day you eat of this, you will surely die, is not so much you die on that day as much as it is your verdict is read that day. You're going to die unless and if somebody intervenes, which Jesus does. And he intervenes on the cross, and then it's through Jesus Christ that we then gain back this eternal life. So you're not saying that they died when they ate the tree and that that death that they died was, was, was intended to to, to describe spiritual death, you're saying that, that the verdict was that they would die eternally, meaning that their breath would be taken away and that they would not have an eternal life, that that was, that that was the judgment of that day. Well, I want to make sure, and I don't know if this is for next week's show or not, uh, but getting into the whole Lazarus situation, the Seventh Avenue, we believe there's two deaths. So we believe so the first one... death? No. The first one is sleep. So when Jesus goes to raise Lazarus up, he goes, listen... You know, we're, I'm going to go uh, to Lazarus. And they said, well, why are you wasting your time with Lazarus? He's dead. He goes, he's not dead. He's just sleeping. He says, well, if he's sleeping, let's all go. I mean, let's all, let's go sleep. And he goes, no, no, he's dead. So in your mind, I, what you think is death, I call sleep. 
Sure. Now, in Revelation 20, sure. the Bible says that there is a second resurrection, and blessed and, and holy are those, and, and blessed are those who take part in the first resurrection. Over them, the second death has no power. So, for me, what you believe about sin, what you believe about death, ultimately influences what you believe Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross, yeah. and ultimately yeah. what Jesus Christ does as I mean, far as eliminating flawless. sin, eradicating sin, because the Bible says Jesus Christ became sin for us. Yeah, it's a big deal. So then ultimately that means that if we don't choose Jesus, each one of us becomes sin. That's the voice of Morgan Kokenauer. He's the pastor at the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church in, here in town. And Jonathan Schweitzer is the other voice you're hearing on the show. I'm Troy Skinner. This is the Faith Debate on 930 WFMD. So I, I'm, I'm not sure. I think I was tracking pretty good. And then I, got, I lose you? And then I felt like I might have gotten sideways. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it's not you. I think I uh, was probably trying to process something you said. And I might have missed like the next sentence. I was like, wait a minute. Now I'm trying, playing catch up. So in the garden. Yes. Adam and Eve sin. Yes. God, therefore, you're dead. But you're saying, I guess, they're as good as dead because they're going to eventually die a physical death is what you're arguing there, that there's a first death, it's a physical death that is sleep. But you're co- is that, am I track, is that yeah. correct? Am I, yes, okay. So when, when God says that you will die, he's talking merely about their physical animation and that they would... At one point, because they've now eaten from the tree they weren't supposed to, there will come a day when you will no longer be physically animated and you will sleep or what we sometimes call death. So it's not the ultimate kind of death, sure. which normally gets uh, understood, at least in the circles I've traveled. We're talking about a spiritual death, a separation from the favorable presence of God. Right. Uh, so there's a passage or two that I think would be used to argue that there's more going on there. For example, when Jesus... Um, tells the parable uh, about a man named Lazarus. The rich man and Lazarus. The rich man and Lazarus. Mm-hmm. Which uh, is a parable. Uh, which is a parable, but like, like uh, in all of Jesus' parables, um, there's parts of the parable that, that are assumed to be normal to everyday mm-hmm. life, normative. Mm-hmm. And then there's, there's the point of the parable. Right, which is related to normative life, right? Like Jesus, in no other place, telling a parable creates a fantasy world in order to make his point. Meaning, Jesus never uses myths to tell his parables. He talks about a woman that lost a pearl, or a you know a guy that's sowing seed. These are real life situations that we're supposed to we're supposed to draw his point from the real life situation. So, for us to assume that the parable between Christ uh, about Lazarus and the rich man, all of a sudden, for the first time, Jesus is creating a kind of cool little fantasy story to make mm-hmm. a point is a pretty big step for me. Even though whenever I talk to people about this passage about eternal life, they say the same thing. And it's, I'm just not comfortable with, with saying that Jesus all of a sudden decided he was going to use a fantasy story to, to, to make a point, especially when he's dealing with something that He's dying that we could have eternal life. You know, he's he's talking about Moses and and, and you know people that show up on on, on the mount, uh, you know a Mount of Transfiguration. You know that are historical figures. For him to all of a sudden throw a fantasy story in there is hard for me. So, anyways, but in that story, the people there, there are people with Moses or Abraham, and there are people in torment, and they are conscious, right? And so. That that seems to give me the impression that Jesus 
is using the opportunity, you know, to, to make the point about repentance that he's trying to make, uh, to also recognize that he believes in resurrection and he believes in, in a judgment after death. And he's, he's giving us a picture into that, that only he would be able to have. And so I'm just saying that it's hard for me to, to, well, especially if, if there's spiritual, if, if there's sleep, like you're describing, mm-hmm. and then Jesus, the one time he talks about, you know, people that are dead and, and what, what they should face, you know, in this story about judgment. And then in that one story, he's going to uh, make up a story and not even say, look, you know, people really are going to sleep for a period of time. But look, let's just imagine if this was happening. I mean, he doesn't say anything like that. He's, he's saying that this is, this is what could have happened. Because it's normative, and uh, this is an issue. So, the, so the story between Lazarus and the, and the rich man is that Lazarus was the the, the poor man uh, that was at the city gate, and, and the rich man uh, they both die and go to heaven. Turns out that the rich man was a sinner and goes to hell. Lazarus is up in heaven, and the story describes uh, the rich man begging is it Abraham or Moses? Abraham begging Abraham to let Lazarus get a little bit of water, bring it, and touch it to his tongue. Right, and then he's saying, "Look, at least let Lazarus or somebody go back and tell all my family members how bad this is, so that they don't come here." And Jesus' whole point is, "Look, you know, if they don't, if they don't uh, repent at the preaching of other prophets, telling them what hell is really like isn't going to change their mind." Right? He he makes a very dramatic point there. Yeah, but when you look at that parable, that's not that's not a parable Jesus made up. It's a it's a it's a parable that was contemporary to Jesus' time that he used to prove a point, which is if you don't believe the word of God. Then, if someone comes back from the dead, you're not going to believe you're not going to believe them either. And so, what he was trying to prove is, and all of his miracles were only there to bolster what does Scripture say, what's the Bible say, and ultimately, that's the debate across denominational lines: is do you believe what this book says? Clearly, every conversation, whether you yeah. believe you go to church on Saturday or Sunday, yeah. what do you believe the Bible says, and ultimately, what do you believe your interpretation is? And I was talking to you earlier: is ultimately, I mean, the Bible says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean on on your own understanding. Well, do you know when you're leaning on your own understanding and when you're not? No. No. And so that's another terrifying example. That's why I have to submit to Revelation. In, in so- uh, Solomon says, God, he says, listen, says, I'll give you, God says, I'll give you anything. I'll give you a long life. I'll give you this, this, this. He goes, I want wisdom. I need a discerning heart to know the difference between good and evil. Now, when we talk about sleep, uh, Jesus. That's a key, key pass. That's Ecclesiastes 6, is it? What? The, the passage about when a man dies. Uh, Ecclesiastes 3, uh, but, then, but going to the sleep passage, when you look at First Thessalonians, when Paul's writing to them, he tells this message that, hey, listen, Jesus Christ is coming back. And all these people believe the message, they join the church, and now they're watching all of their loved ones die, and they're thinking, oh, shoot. I thought, they were gonna, I thought Jesus was coming before we we're going to die. What's going to happen to all these people that are dying? Yeah. And he says... We do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who have fallen asleep. Yeah. So even he is reaffirming what these people are sleeping. So God can bring you back from this death. Because there's a lot of people, they say, well, I don't want to get cremated I, I, because I don't know if God can bring me back from cremation. So is, am I right that Old Testament and New Testament, mm-hmm. that the language of sleep is used to describe those that have died? A bodily death. Yeah, for us. Yeah. yeah. And so... Um, <clears throat> The question is whether or not that falling asleep refers to what we seem to see with their physical body or whether or not it refers to something in terms of like where their soul is, you know, uh, in terms of, yep. e- e- you know, heaven or 
or you know whether or not there's an existence that that is beyond um, that is beyond the body after death. And and my point in, in asking that is just that um, I think your key passage for driving in that direction would not be passages about sleep because the question is how do we define that term sleep because it could just be you know like the bible doesn't come out and say uh adam and eve had sex Hmm. it says they slept together but it's clearly not saying adam knew his wife or yeah yeah sorry it it said yeah it says it said they knew each other right well look i know you but i don't know you like that right (laughs) and that's my point is that the bible in various places uses terminology i agree uh that it's important for us to recognize what it's saying, what it's not saying. And it, it appears to me, let me know if this is right, sure. that the Ecclesiastes passage is, the key, is, is a key kind of crux passage for you defining that, that sleep in the Bible means a spiritual uh, slumber, uh, you know, a state of not knowing things that are happening as opposed to just physical death. Yeah. Let me jump in here because uh, we're running out of time and uh, I'm, I'm thinking of a couple of verses in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and maybe we'll, we'll mm-hmm. next week we can begin with some of these Ecclesiastes verses and, and, uh, and try to grapple with those. Uh, for the record, uh, I would agree that we don't want to rest our entire argument on a parable uh, that Jesus told, but I don't think that's what, in fairness, I don't think that's what Jonathan's doing. I think it's, it's part of his arsenal of his argument. If, the, if his entire argument rested on that parable, I'd be a little bit nervous because it's it's hmm. it's merely a parable. But as uh, as additional ammunition for your argument, I think it, it helps your case. But sure. I don't think Interesting. it's but sure. I, I don't think it's definitive. Well, you could be wrong. That's okay. I could be, but I'm not in this case. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And uh, it's interesting, we talked about a dis- different Lazarus, but there's a play coming up uh, at your church, Morgan, in about two weeks um, that's talking about a different Lazarus. Uh, uh, Glorious Unfolding is what it is called. If you go to the website again, I'm sorry, it's... Ariseforgod.org. Ariseforgod.org. You can find out more about the play. It's going to be the 6th and 7th of April, 7 o'clock, both nights. It's a Friday and a Saturday night. It's a free event. However, you've got to get a ticket. So go to ariseforgod.org and uh, see how you can go about getting your ticket. All right? They won't let you in without a ticket. They will treat you as though you're dead. <laughs> no, they won't. Good try. No. I, I'm trying to tie it all together. Yeah, it's not yeah, working. Good try. Yeah. Anyway, thank you guys, uh, John and Morgan, for being on the show. Uh, thank you for listening. You can visit us online at wfmd.com, keyword faith. Until next week. How long from now? 167 and a half hours from now. Hey, use that time well, huh? Yeah, please. Yeah. And get some rest of it. God bless.